0: Families are messy, aren't they? And one of the reasons I love the Bible so much is that we get to see the messy side of all the characters in the Bible, including their bad parenting moments. God includes these stories of real life people so that we can learn lessons from them. Lessons about the use of trickery, the use of favoritism in families. What happens when we decide to run ahead of God? What happens when we take our lives in our own hands and we get our priorities all out of whack? What happens when we manipulate the situation, even in marriage, we can do this and absolutely we can do it with our kids. And if you are interested in God's heart for your families, particularly as it relates to the struggle of favoritism within families, I want you guys to be encouraged today because we can take a lot of wisdom from the rivalry of Esau and Jacob and looking back into the lives of some of the characters in the Bible that we know so much about. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, welcome to the podcast today. I'm so glad you guys have joined me. I want to encourage you, if you haven't done it already, we are really uh, reading those reviews that you're leaving for us over at iTunes, and we really appreciate your willingness to jump in and leave reviews and share the show with your friends. As you guys can see, if you're watching this on Rumble or on YouTube, we're still in the process of transition here at the Homeschool Resource Center, and we're building a new studio, which is gonna be used by students as well, So a lot is going into that. And so in the meantime, we're just taking it easy over here, and I'm moving my studio from room to room. And uh, I can't wait for you guys to see what God is doing. Also, I want to invite you, if you're in the greater Portland-Vancouver metropolitan area on the 6th of September at 6 o'clock in the evening, we are going to be doing a dedication for this building that the Lord has so beautifully provided. And uh, we're excited to see you guys. So come on out for that. There's going to be dessert trucks here. We're going to have some worship we're going to be letting you guys do some self-guided tours of the new facility and this will be a one night only open registration opportunity so for those of you who've never considered homeschooling and maybe you're thinking i want to check out what's going on at firmly planted family we want you guys to come so check it out i'll link back to how you can do that in the show notes today all right i've been reading you know as you guys know just reading the account of jacob and esau we talked about this a couple of days ago And these sort of gut-wrenching examples that we read about in the Word of God from men and women that have gone ahead of us. And you know what? They didn't always get it right, and so often they got it wrong. So if you're a mom and you're thinking, you know what, I have messed up my kids, I just want to encourage you like I often do, bad days don't make bad moms. And God wants to use you, even your mistakes even the things that you're like, that was a mess up on my part, you guys, it's okay. What we wanna do is go back to the Lord and say, Father, show me how I can learn more from your word, grow me in the places that I'm struggling in. If you're struggling with a child, if you're struggling with a teenager and you know that you blew it, either you said something that you shouldn't have said or maybe you should have said something that you didn't say, always, always, always go back to your kids and uh, ask for forgiveness. And this is true, no matter what the thing is that you're struggling with. And this today we're going to we're going to look a little bit at favoritism. Favoritism absolutely runs in families. And uh, I know I felt it when I was growing up, and I know a lot of you can relate to that. The story of Jacob and Esau is absolutely a story of favoritism, and we talked about this yesterday. And I'm going to remind you of where we were in genesis chapter twenty five verse twenty seven when the boys grew up, Esau, was a skillful hunter a man of the field while jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents isaac loved esau because he ate of his game but Rebekah loved jacob and so here we see a clear sign of favoritism this actually comes up quite a bit in the bible and we are warned in the word of god not to show favoritism and in fact the bible speaks directly against it In James chapter two, verse one, it says, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus must not show favoritism. In other words, God wants us to love people. The Bible teaches us that he said he so loved us, even in our sin, even while we were angry at God, shaking our fist at him. The Bible says that God loved us and he sent his son. And so we know that favoritism is not part of the character of God, and yet we see it in the characters of the Bible over and over and over again. The first one we talked about the other day was the, was the favoritism of Isaac and Rebecca toward their two twin boys, right? Uh, dad's favorite was Esau, mom's favorite was Isaac, and guess what? Both of the boys knew it. That's the kind of the first thing that I think parents need to understand. Even if you are accidentally sort of more prone to, maybe your personality is more like one of your other children, or, or what I've noticed is, that opposites tend to attract, just like in marriage, right? It might be easier for you to hang out with one child uh, over another child. Believe me when I say, and the Bible points this out, your children will recognize that. Your children are going to know that one of them is the favored son, right? We're going to talk about Joseph in a minute. And what did that do in his brothers, it stirred up anger and resentment in them. And so we want to be Aware of what uh our relationships are with our children and always kind of ask the Lord to help us keep those relationships uh in in uh line with the word of God. So Rebecca and Jacob obviously struggling. We talked how they did not want to do what uh his parents had done, right? Sarah and Abraham. Remember, Sarah took uh matters into her own hands. She didn't trust that God was gonna do what he said he was going to do. And now we've got a new generation who are raising their children and the Bible teaches us that our children are watching us. And so remember, you know, we may think, oh, I said the right thing, I did the right thing, Um, but your children are going to be, they're listening to the words that you say, absolutely. But more than that, they're watching your language, they're watching your actions, they're watching your body language. And I wonder what would have happened if Jacob and Esau had seen a different example in their parents. Uh, because we know that every single one of our children is unique. Jay and I have seven children, and there no two children are alike in the St. John family. We've got kids who are absolutely love to do academics, and we've got kids who are artists, and we've got kids who are musicians. Uh, I have yet to have a scientist in the bunch. But something that Jay and I have said over the years is, For all seven of our children, they really are like a variation on a theme. There are not two children alike. And sometimes what worked with one child might not work with the other one. And so we have to go back to the Lord. And I want to encourage you if you have a child that is difficult for you to discipline, maybe it's because you don't understand how to actually get to the heart of that child. And so one of the things that I would encourage you to do is ask the Lord to show you what is the currency that that child deals in. So you may have a child who has a completely different language, um, particularly as it relates to discipline or you're trying to teach them a lesson or you're trying to get them to understand a certain character trait and they just aren't getting it. Ask the Lord to help you and he absolutely will. And so we wanna trust the Lord because what happens when we, When we don't seek the Lord, particularly as we relate to our children, it's very easy to sort of gravitate toward the easy one and not so much toward the difficult child. And in Isaac and Rebecca's case, they ended up passing on the same generational curse that Abraham and Sarah were under, and it would haunt their children and their grandchildren. And remember, uh, this is going to go on and on and on, because Jacob also showed favoritism toward his wives. By now, you guys know my grave concern for the future of our country that is basically at risk because our public high schools and our universities are pushing communism and socialism as if they were beneficial to the nation. If you want to teach your students how to defend the history of this country, we've got a great opportunity for you. You can learn from a teacher who has founded a college that rivals the Ivy League's an activist who has fought to protect religious freedom, and a lawyer who's argued before the Supreme Court and won. Michael Ferris brings his knowledge and expertise working within the American political and legal systems right into your home in a brand new 30-week course designed for high school students. The lectures are packed with personal stories and thoughtful questions from the seasoned expert and your students will form a thoughtful stance on the American ideals this country was founded upon and leave with the tools to defend that stance. Pre-enroll by August 15th with the promo code Heidi to participate in live Q&As with Mike Ferris. Remember, there are co-op and single household options available. This is fully online and it's self-paced. Content for the fall semester releases August 3rd, and Unit 1 is available for free when you create an account at Lumen.com. That's L-U-M-I-N-N.com. And don't forget, use the coupon code HEIDI15, that's heidi 15 by August 15th to save 15%. Who doesn't remember the story of Leah and Rachel? Jacob got tricked, of course, by his father-in-law, Laban, and he wanted to be married to Rachel. And, and so Laban said, I'll tell you what, if you work for me for seven years, you can have Rachel. And through some trickery, which Jacob was uh, became well accustomed to, basically Laban tricked him. And on his wedding night, he went into that tent and, and Rachel wasn't there. But instead, Leah was there. And Leah cried out to God. Because she knew that her husband didn't love her. He loved Rachel and everyone knew it. But he was tricked into marrying Leah. And we understand that whenever trickery is involved, good things are not going to happen. We are called to live a life that is above reproach. And when I think of the story of Leah and Rachel, it actually makes me sad because the Bible says that Leah knew from the beginning that she wasn't as beautiful as Rachel. She considered herself not to be as beautiful and she was less loved. And I think about this sometimes in families, You know, um, do you have a child that someone has said, oh, this child is very photogenic and maybe the other one doesn't get that same kind of compliment, or you have a child who's really good at sports or really good at music. And I think as parents, one of the things that God wants us to do is to constantly remind our children that the measure by which they should always see themselves is the measure by which God sees them. Every single one of our children comes to us with a unique ability, with a design and a purpose for their life that God hardwired into their DNA. And even though in this social media driven culture, a parent is what everyone looks at, the Bible is very clear that, the, that God looks at the heart. God is interested in the heart of your child and so we want to be very careful you guys never compare one child's looks to another never compare one child's ability to another um i did it a few times when my kids were little i can remember mostly just in anger right now i'll say i wish that you would do you know so and so like your brother would do or you know i never have to ask your brother to take out the trash or i never have to do and i remember At one and I I mean, it's been so long ago now, I can't remember who it was, but I do remember one of my children saying that it really hurt when I would compare one child with another. And I wasn't consciously doing it, but it was the unconscious thing that was still producing a conscious hurt in the heart of my child. And so I want you guys to be thinking about that today. Uh, Think about, you know, grandchildren. I can certainly think of one grandchild in my family that was favored over others and all the kids know it. And so we shouldn't see favoritism. And if you're struggling with that, uh, I guarantee you, your, your children notice that this is happening. So don't think for a second that your children don't notice it and somehow it's just going unnoticed. So then you can just keep going with your uh, attitude sort of unchecked because it's absolutely not true. Your children are noticing it. Remember then, uh, Joseph is Rebecca's first child. So now we've got favoritism in one family that's gone into the next generation, and now the very next generation is gonna carry on that curse. So instead of uh, Leah, Jacob loves Rachel, and Rebecca gives birth to uh, Joseph, and Rebecca loves him. Five chapters after Joseph's birth, the Bible records the birth of Benjamin. And Rebecca died giving birth to Benjamin. And even after Benjamin's arrival, uh, possibly he was, uh, uh, Rebecca died giving birth to him. We don't know. Joseph remained as the favorite child and everyone knew it. Genesis 37 verse 3. Now Israel, which is another word for Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was a son of his old age and he made him a robe of many colors. So here's Joseph. Now we're seeing favoritism again. We saw this with with uh, with Esau. We, we're seeing it now with Joseph and it's not going to go well for him. Why? Because it's going to create jealousy inside the family. So Jacob's favoritism continuing to bring down hardship on his family. And though his wives, and again, you guys, the sister wife thing, just a bad idea. Just eh, don't do that. Uh, the Bible says that the sisters felt like they had to battle. These wives felt like they had to battle for Jacob's love and affection, right? So Rachel and Leah probably had this till their dying day, wondering which one of them was going to have the affection of their husband. I can't imagine, you know, Jay and I have jokingly said over the years, like I told him, I'm like, listen, I would be the worst sister wife ever. I'd be like, oh no, no, no. Doesn't look like tonight's your night with my husband and tomorrow night's not looking good either. Looks like you'll be sleeping outside in a tent. Women were not meant to share husbands. Ooh, we just weren't. So, you know, ooh, that's just never, never, never a good idea. But I wonder what would have happened if instead of showing favoritism toward Jacob and of course, or toward Joseph rather, I wonder what would happen if Jacob would have confessed his sin before the Lord and allowed God to work in his heart. And of course, the Bible says that all Things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And God, in His in His incredible generosity, redeemed that family and redeemed that story. And of course, through the life of Joseph and his brothers, who sold him into slavery. And I don't have time to go into all that today, but suffice it to say, if you came from a family that was dysfunctional, abusive, uh, sinful, maybe you just had it. Maybe maybe you came from a family that was embroiled in uh, some sort of sin. Or you saw a lot of hurt in your family, God can redeem it. God can redeem it. I know because I came from a family like that. And I'm telling you what, you guys, God wants to write a story on your life that your grandchildren will tell their children. And then God's heart for you clearly seen in Psalm 78, where the Bible teaches that when we make one decision, four generations are impacted. So your decision to follow the Lord Jesus is gonna impact not one, not two not three, but four generations of uh, children and grandchildren who are going to come after you. Uh, I found a really great article over at Desiring God by John Piper, and I was looking up some interesting facts about favoritism in the Bible. And John gives three ways that we can help those of us who struggle with favoritism, whether it's toward a grandchild or toward a child or whatever relationship you're in, John says that the first answer is to know that God, in relating to his family, loves his children and loves them all, that you are loved by God, even though you don't deserve to be loved. In other words, let the gospel have its deep effect on you as a person in God's family to make you feel stunned that you are even a member of the family of God. And we can be glad that God's been gracious to us so that we can come to our children and our grandchildren with a gracious disposition. The second thing he says is to labor, to be proactive in the way that we love our kids. So in other words, not just reactive. So that might be almost the same thing as uh, as you know, constantly just reacting to your children. And that's when we say things like, I wish you would do this like your sister, or I wish that you would do so-and-so better or whatever it was. If you're only reactive, then you're doing things for them and saying things to them as reactions to what they just did or said. And there's inevitably going to be an appearance of favoritism. And that's because the good little kid over there, usually the firstborn, is not going to get any negative attention. Whereas the second, the third, or the fourth might get a little bit more. And the feeling is just, oh, that person's the favorite. And what is it rooted in? It's rooted in how we react. And obviously the third problem is the third uh, answer to favoritism is clearly just to be aware of the problem. And I often wonder, you know, what would have happened if these characters in the Bible had been aware of their situations, what would have happened? I often wonder, and I've asked the Lord about it, Lord, what would have happened if my dad would have been able to deal with his issue, whatever it was, as I was growing up, instead of me having to live through all that? And I, and I think that there are some of these things that there are questions, right, that we're never gonna get the answers to, but the reality is, if you're in the middle of something and you recognize, you know what, I could do this better, The Lord of Heaven's Armies wants to help you. As I came to sort of understand that even though my situation growing up wasn't changed and it never got better, God still redeemed it. God's still using it. And he used it to show me a lot of things, even in my own life, that I maybe would have been blind to uh, in any other circumstance. Okay, I've got time for one quick question. How did you answer questions from your children about why the rules for them were more strict than those of their friends who were also Christians? These are elementary age children who definitely repeat what they hear at home. So I try to be careful what words I speak about others. I know this is only beginning. And as she gets older, the situations will be bigger and more complicated. I'm struggling to answer without speaking negatively about the other child's parents. Good job. We're being prideful. I know why we have rules. No sleepovers, no games with online chat, uh, no violent games. And don't watch Disney. Bravo. Don't watch Disney. But she has church friends and even friends whose parents are a pastor and leadership at other churches, and they are allowed to do everything. She asks a lot why they are allowed to watch Disney, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and why she can't if we are also Christians and their dad is a pastor. All right. So I think that the question here is liberty. You need to talk to your children about Christian liberty. This is what keeps us from sliding into legalism because while we can say this isn't wise, I don't know that watching Disney movies are necessarily a sin. So you're not going to be able to like, you're not going to look it up in the Bible. Well, I guess you, some of the stuff you absolutely could, but you're not supporting a woke organization for lots of different reasons. And I think that you start to teach your children as Christians, we have liberty in Christ. And so there are some areas I know that some of you wrote in and you disagreed with what pastor Phil and I were talking about, but you heard pastor Phil say, I'm not going to argue with other fellow Christians about this. There are areas where we can have Christian disagreement and allow the decisions that we make as parents and as fellow Christians to bear the kind of fruit that will come from those scenarios. And so I think you're right not to come across as judgmental. I can say, you know what? Your dad and I just came to a different conclusion for you, and they have their children, and we have our children, and we are responsible to the Lord for our children and not for their children. And I think in that way, you can help your children understand the differences in families and also have grace for people that make different decisions. All right, you guys, I got to run. That's all I've got time for today. I hope you've enjoyed this message at the Off the Bench podcast. I'd love to hear from you. Please reach out to me, HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. And you can become a subscriber to the Heidi St. John podcast by simply going to Spotify and clicking on the subscribe button. Guys, when you do that, that really does help us financially. And it also boosts our ratings. So thank you guys so much for doing that. Have a great day. Love your people well. And I'll see you back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.